concluding this morning the God questions over these last six weeks, some of the, uh, the most familiar things that, that we ask uh, when we wonder about who God is, what he's like, and it, it concludes this morning with what happens when I die. So let me encourage you to find your sermon notes, follow along, fill in the blanks, and most importantly, live the message, talk about it uh, this week. Uh, as you go. So what happens when I die? Good question. There were two 95-year-old sisters who had actually died. Died together. They were twins. I can relate to that being a twin also. Probably going to happen for us too. I just hope I get to pick the day when that's going to happen. So they had died and they were now in heaven and they were just amazed at how glorious heaven is. I mean, the, the gold streets and the, the pearly gates and the, the beautiful waterfalls and the the mountains just rising up over everything in the presence of God, of course, himself. And then one of the sisters turns to the other and she says, you know, we'd have been here five years earlier if you hadn't made us eat oat bran all these years, right? I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the whole thing. It's the, the barbershop quartet. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, Right? So I think I'm right about that. Let me just ask you, how many of you would like to die today? Anybody? Uh, yeah, probably not. I mean, we want to go to heaven. We want to die someday, preferably way in the future. And one reason, I think, is because we don't have a great picture of what heaven truly is. I mean, this is usually our idea. Uh, we're an angel, and we have wings, and we're sitting on a cloud somewhere strumming our harp singing holy, holy, holy over and over and over and over and over and over and over, right? I mean, that's the picture that so many people have of heaven, that it's not going to be any fun. It's going to be completely boring. So why would I want to get there anytime soon? So this morning, we have John's vision from the book of Revelation. And again, it may not be exactly as you have pictured it. But I hope that we can all agree that there will be wonders beyond description. So as we look at his words this morning, four times just in this particular chapter, he says that there will be something new. A new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. In fact, he said all things, look, all things will be new. So think of it this way. It's going to be very much like earth because it is the new earth. Think about it. In the very beginning when God created paradise, you think he got it wrong the first time? And it's going to be better the second time? Well, it is going to be better because there will be no sin or possibility of sin. But if it was paradise in the beginning and it was perfect in the beginning, it's going to be very much like that again. In fact, our old earth is just what God intended, sullied by sin. So you're going to have a body, but it's going to be a resurrected body. So how many of you enjoy getting old? Anybody enjoy getting old with all the aches and the pains, right? They say getting old is not for sissies. It's not because things don't work the way they did before. You're going to have a perfect body. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to dunk in heaven because I couldn't dunk here on earth, ever. Well, the eight-foot goal, maybe, but that was it. It doesn't mean that every time I go to the golf course, I'm going to have a hole-in-one. 
Although that would be nice just once, right? It's still your body and whatever perfect is. I think it means that I'm going to be able to sing in heaven and not offend people. That would be perfect for me. (laughs) The beauty, the amazing wonders of heaven, John compares it to a bride adorned for a husband. Guys, think of this. Those of you that are married, remember your wedding day. And I don't know how it was for you, but for me, I was standing up there at the altar, and Sharon was coming down the aisle with her father. She had this beautiful white dress. She was as pretty as she has ever been. That's heaven. Every day. The beauty is going to be spectacular. I would imagine it's something like this. Again, we have our references here on earth. So imagine this, that you are in economy class. How many of you enjoy economy better than first class? Anyone? No, we do not. But there will be similarities. It's not going to be completely different. It's just going to be that much better. So in, in economy, what, you, you, get a, you get a seat, right? But you don't have much leg room. So in first class, you have a lot more leg room. You have a much more comfortable chair. Maybe if it's an international flight, you actually get to recline, maybe even sleep on that chair. And what else is the same but different? In economy, what do you get these days? A little, little bag of pretzels? Can you even taste those things? But in first class, you might actually even get a meal, maybe even a gourmet dinner with real silverware. And at the end, you get this hot towel that they give you to to wipe off your hands. And and the flight attendant is, is always there giving you drink after drink after drink and too many drinks and after drink. That's heaven. The same but new. Now, as I said at the beginning, one of the the fears that we have of heaven is that it's going to be boring, not going to be any fun. As we get this picture from John, we see that it's going to be anything but boring. Now, think about your your wildest dreams or maybe your best dreams because, well, in my household, my dreams are different from my wife's. Her dreams... Well, in her dreams, I'm always in trouble. I don't know why that is, but I'm always in trouble in her dreams. And she's kicking me. And I'm like, you know, I wake up and I go, well, what did I do? And she just tells, she starts telling me all the stuff that I did. And I'm like, it was in your dream. I didn't really do that stuff. In my dreams, well, I am. I'm dunking. I'm, I'm getting the hole in one. It's the Super Bowl every day in my dreams. In Kansas City, always wins, just so you know, always. Not going to be boring. In fact, heaven is going to be a thousand times exponentially better than anything here on earth. And one of the reasons it's going to be thousands times better is because it's not just about the things. The things are going to be great, but the heart of heaven is God. 
That is what is going to make it so incredibly wonderful. God will be on his throne. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Imagine. Like Jesus, right here, sitting with you, in your midst. creator with the creature. And we as the creatures here on earth, what have we done? We've complained. (laughs) God, you're not fair. Give us a little more justice. How come they get this and I only get that? We're the ones who are the sinners, and yet God in his mercy sent his son Jesus to die on that cross where his blood has covered every sin. This God wants to be with us. He wants all of us to be there. He wants to be in our midst. He wants to do life forever with us. And the best thing about heaven is that we will be reunited with our rescuer. Don't you always love a great story of rescue, the girl who's in the burning building and the firefighter rushes up the stairs and rescues her and and carries her unconscious out of the building and all live happily ever after. And then it's even better when when there is that day when they are reunited years and years later. Well, I read a real story about that, about rescue. There was a little girl, her name was Lily Green. She was three years old, imagine a three-year-old. And she is in a burning building. And she's overcome with smoke. And she's unconscious. And her mother is there on on the front porch as the, the firefighters arrive. And she's yelling and screaming, my little one, my child, she's upstairs. And there's two other kids as well. And this man, this firefighter, his name is Melvin Bunch. And he goes into the house, which is, uh, it's engulfed in flames, and there's smoke everywhere, and he crawls up the stairs, and he finds a little girl, and he cradles her in his arms, and he carries her back down to safety. And the other two girls are saved as well. Great story, but it even gets better, because now she wants to reward, she wants to thank Mr. Bunch. But she's lost track of him. They were in Brooklyn, New York, and now 14 years later, she is still trying to track him down because she wants to thank him. She never got the opportunity, and it's now her high school graduation. And finally, she finds out that he is in Las Vegas, Nevada, and he's retired. And she puts a call into him, and she wants to bring Melvin and his family to New York. And her whole family then is going to be there. And there is this reunion, and she hugs him, and she thanks him, because her life would not have been possible if he hadn't rescued her. That's what heaven is going to be like, where we can throw our arms around our Savior, and we can 
profusely thank him for all that he has done, for all the blessings of this life, for our family and our friends, for all the material things, but even more so for the forgiveness and the love that he has given to us throughout this entire earthly life. The heart of heaven is not just the wonderful, amazing things, but that God will be on his throne and we will be in his midst. And not only that, there will be no more burdens in heaven. We have this list here. John says that God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. All of these earthly burdens now lifted. Just go through the list. No tears, no sadness. Only tears of joy. No, no pain. No physical suffering. But the greater one, of course, is the pain of death. And not just losing our life. But I think the greatest pain of death is the separation that we have from our loved ones. When you go to that funeral of your father or mother, wife or husband, worst of all, your children, the grief that cascades down over you. No death, no separation with our loved ones who have trusted in Jesus. John is on the island of Patmos. He has been exiled. He's in seclusion. Remember that at the cross, Jesus had said to John and Mary, this is your mother, this is your son. She's gone. All of his friends are gone. The rest of the disciples have all been martyred. The church that he had started in Ephesus, he has no connection anymore with them. I can only imagine that he is grieving because he is living well into his 90s. He has seen so much death and, and so much persecution of the church. And he just longs for that day when he can see them all again and they're going to be there around him. No death, no separation from our loved ones in heaven. And then it says, very curiously, no sea. No sea in heaven. And, you know, when I first read this years ago, I thought God must have made a mistake. Well, that's not possible. God doesn't make a mistake. Well, maybe John didn't quite hear it right. I mean, I am here in what, what is today uh, the 11th of February in the Midwest, landlocked, 30-degree temperature. Surely there must be an ocean somewhere that I could go to. Surely there's an island in the Caribbean somewhere in heaven, wouldn't you think? As beautiful as it is. I mean, just to smell the salt air. It's so refreshing. What do you mean, no sea? The beautiful fish, the graceful sea turtles swimming by. You get a picture in your head of what that might be like. But what do we know about the book of Revelation? Do you take it all literal? No, we don't. 
certainly not even in the Gospels. Remember where it said last week that Jesus was the gate? What is he? He's made of iron and he swings back and forth. It's a metaphor, isn't it, for the opening, the entrance into heaven. We have to understand that in Bible times, in ancient times, the sea was always feared. The home of the sea dragons. The home of the great tormentor, Satan himself. Ships go out to sea and and they sink, never to be seen again. And so the sea is this place that people were afraid of because it is filled with sin. So what John is saying and what God is telling us, there is no sin in heaven. And that's why there's no tears or pain or death all caused by sin in the first place. So all of our burdens that we feel here on earth are lifted. Finally then, heaven is our our destination and our home. It is both. Heaven is our destination. It is the place to where we will one day go when we die. It is the place that we look forward to. And Paul even says, the suffering here on earth isn't nearly so bad because I can look forward to heaven. And in comparison to the glory of heaven, even though I've gone through great suffering, it will seem like nothing. So heaven is our destination, and we know that we are destined to go there because of what Christ has done. There is nothing more for us to do than, number one, trust that Jesus is our Savior, and number two, always be ready. I asked you earlier, how many of you wanted to die today? No one raised their hand. I just heard over the weekend that there was a, a friend of my, my sister-in-law who lives in Cleveland who was in a car crash Friday afternoon, 40 years old, now dead. I can't imagine that she woke up Friday morning thinking this is the last day of my life. And yet, believing in her Savior Jesus, she was prepared. I read another story. There was a lady, she was, she was just sitting at home watching television, and a stray bullet ripped through the window and killed her instantly. And I read another story about a young man who was in the back seat of a car, just riding along, and a drunk driver crossed the yellow line and smashed into exactly where he was sitting. And he's now gone. Trust in Jesus. Be prepared. Christ has accomplished a victory, and he's put it in writing. First of all, it is there in the Scriptures. But secondly, your name is in the book of life. Because Christ has died for you. And you have trusted in his promise. Your name is in indelible ink, never to be erased. Heaven is our destination, but also do not forget that heaven is our home. Which means that this earth is not 
all of us are away from home. It is the place where we are intended to be. Have you ever been homesick, anybody? Anybody ever, like me, go away to camp when they were young and just had a miserable time? I remember my first time at, at Boy Scout camp. And by the way, I was a terrible Boy Scout. Couldn't tie a knot, had a hard time swimming, couldn't make any of the crafts, didn't wear the uniform correctly, never could get that kerchief on right. So here we are in our uniform, and the food is awful. I have to get up at 6 o'clock every morning. We have to run a mile. I thought it was football camp. Went out in the canoe, and it capsized, and I fell in. I was just miserable. Now, we did get one phone call, so on the third day, on Wednesday, we got to call home, and I did. I called my mom, and yeah, I was crying. But her words got me through. She said, in three more days, you will be home. And I have your favorite meal made for you, which is pot roast, mashed potatoes, and gravy with apple pie a la mode. And she said, I'll wash your clothes for you. And you'll get to take a nice hot bath. We're not going to make you swim in the pond or anything. Heaven is our home. It's where our loved ones that have died in the faith are already gathered. It will be comfortable and safe. But best of all, on that day that you die, it will be your Savior, your friend, your Lord Jesus, who will welcome you into his arms and he will hold on to you there forever. I want to go to heaven. I don't want it to be today. But I'll sure be ready. And I pray that you will be too. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and play the, the video.